What would happen if you were to pull back the curtain on a middle-aged health and wellness CEO's own health and wellness? What if you could get a bird's eye view of their daily habits, their routines, their strategies over time, and had a chance to dig into the actual biometric records to see if those choices, those routines, were potentially leading to any sort of positive outcomes? Welcome to the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brad Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute, and today I'll also be your subject. This week, I turned 56 years old, and I thought it might be interesting to not only share some of my own personal strategies, but to open the book on my core biometric data and provide a potential connection between the actions, any of the things we talk about here on the podcast, and the outcomes, or at least encourage you to get your own test completed so you have a solid baseline from which you can grow. It is important to note that as much as we'd love to look at this as a cause-effect we know better. No straight line exists between actions and outcomes. There's correlation. There's patterns. There's a lot we look at, but A does not necessarily equal B. I'll, I'll do my best to share what I do, what my patterns are, what routines are going on, you know, foods, that kind of stuff. But the evidence is clear that things like genetics, living situation, and plain old good luck play a significant role when it comes to health, wellness, and even performance. So let me state clearly that while I hope I'm about to share some things that potentially give you some ideas, some encouragement, none of this is medical advice. And I am not the example by any stretch of someone to follow. Rather, I'm one example. That's why we believe in the credible coaching and how important that is, because it takes ideas like this, generic ideas, general ideas, and then helps format them based on the individual. Hopefully what you're about to hear helps make your life and your future a little bit better in the way that fits you, not Brad's way, your way. And it doesn't simply become a checkbox of what I do. I'm hoping it's also clear I don't spend my days chasing a bunch of hacks. Instead, I simply do my best to focus on some core essentials on a consistent basis. Sometimes, <laughs> and we've talked about this before, but I think we're so busy chasing the magic potion that we miss out on the opportunities that are sitting right there in front of us. Sound good? On the coaching front, if you're looking to earn your certification through an NBHWC approved coach certification training, the next opportunity kicks off in early June. And if you're already a coach, now, now, not next month, but now is the time to get registered for the Rocky Mountain Coaching Retreat and Symposium. It is the coaching event of the year and it will be capped this year it takes place in gorgeous beautiful amazing estes park colorado in september and details about both the certification and the retreat are available at catalystcoachinginstitute.com or feel free reach out to us anytime we'll set up time to talk emails results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com now let's pull back the curtain on this 56 year old in of one and see if maybe something i'm doing can be an encouragement to someone out there as we look to be a catalyst on this latest episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. All right, let's set the stage with a brief history before we jump into current day. As much as I would love to tell you I've always been focused on health and wellness, that simply wouldn't be true. Back in high school, which is now, interestingly to say, 40 years ago, I bagged groceries at the local grocery store, and oftentimes on Friday and Saturday, I'd, I'd work the 3 to 11.30 shift. Uh, it, it, it wasn't unusual. In fact, it was, it was pretty common for me to purchase a dozen recently marked down donuts. The, the bakery would mark them down at 11 o'clock every night. So they were 
pretty fresh, but half price, and a cheap chemical-laden frozen pizza on my way out the door at night. I'd head home, flip on MASH. Those of you about my age, you know all about MASH. And I would down it all in one sitting. On the sleeping front, which we've talked about a lot here on the podcast, I remember telling Susanna early in our marriage that one of my goals was to train my body to get by on less than six hours of sleep so I could get more done. Clearly, clearly an unhealthy, unhealthy goal. And exercise, folks, I'll just, I'll tell you, I spent several years in my 30s integrating running into my routine only because my jeans were getting tight. Once they'd fit, I'd put my running shoes back in the closet until it got tough to fasten that top button again. In my late 30s, I got lassoed into trying my very first triathlon. It's a long story. Maybe I'll share it sometime. But tried it out, immediately hooked. I dropped 25 pounds as I began exercising, not just to fit my jeans, but be part of life. And and I was eating a lot more healthy. It it became part of my identity. Instead of something I did, as in running to get my jeans to fit, exercise and and fueling appropriately became my identity. It 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 was who I was. And I continued down that path for about 12, 13 years. I competed in some really cool events, uh, 11 Ironmans, including four times at the World Championship in Hawaii, uh, numerous marathons, and then uh, an opportunity to do the Race Across America cycling race, as well as, I don't know, 100 plus other races along the way. When I started my PhD work, I put that racing to the side. That's how I was able to create the space and the time for it. And that racing has really sat to the sidelines the past several years. So that actually probably makes this review a little more valuable because I'll be sharing details, not of some extreme endurance athlete or something, but essentially a regular guy, a a guy just like many of you who's trying to do his best and trying to work everything into a busy day. On the, the personal and work front, I've been married to an amazing woman, Susanna. Many of you know her, and I'm fortunate to have three incredible kids all who have now gotten married to men and women that we just love. They are an important part of our family, and we love all three of them so much. On the work front, after being laid off, another story I'll share someday from a somewhat high-stress corporate exec role on the eve, literally, the eve of my 41st birthday, we launched our own company, and we are now entering our 16th year of being small business owners. Now, as (laughs) we've got a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this, and as all of you know, that often carries with it very long hours, very elevated levels of stress. However, it also provides a level of flexibility that has provided many health benefits along the way. So yes, we might work a 60 or 70 hour week, but we're able to get some, some time away to you know, see our kids at sporting events or, or sleep in on one day because we were out late at a meeting the night before that might not be a, an option in a typical seven to five, eight to five type job. Okay, that's enough history. I, I just want to give you a, kind of a baseline and be clear from the, the outset. I get it. I am lucky. My, my life is not perfect. It's far from perfect. But I, I'll just admit up front, I have been fortunate in more ways than I can count. And with what we're talking about today, that's had a positive impact on some of the biometric health results I'll be sharing. If I were on an airplane every other day, it's just different. And, and I get that. And so keep that in context as we go through this, especially in terms of some of these results. I also realize that our health can change in the blink of an eye as a result of something that's out of the blue, no cause. And, and, and so I do my best to appreciate each day I'm given. And I 
I, I know that many of you have been through some stuff that you had nothing to do with. It just came and, and, and unfortunately that's part of life. So with that said, let's take a look at some of the core results. I just want to set that baseline and, and let you know kind of where this is coming from and some of the other influencers besides the routines and activities that I'll share with you. And oh yes, it, it, it's also important to note, I am not currently taking any medication, zero. And I have never taken any medication or had any medical treatment that would affect any other results I'll be sharing today. So as we go through the numbers, I, I don't want you to feel like, oh, there's a curtain he's not pulling back. He's taking, you know, this or that. It's just me. It's just me and, and food. Out of the gate, I'm just over six foot tall. I weigh 144 pounds. So that puts my BMI at a 19.5 and right in the healthy range. I, I wear a Garmin 935 pretty much 24-7. So I get a lot of fun data from that. My current stress score over the last year has been a 19 on a 100-point scale. My average resting heart rate at age 56 is 44, and it will drop into the 30s, but in terms of an average over the last year, uh, it's at 44. And in terms of steps per day, that gets thrown off a little bit because I do enjoy running, as I'll I'll talk briefly about, but I average 12,000 steps a day, including that running. In terms of biometric data, my blood pressure is fortunately healthy. Oftentimes, that's a very strong genetic component. It's currently 115 over 75. My LDLs, cholesterol, low-density lipoproteins, are 79. HDLs are 99. That's a ratio of 0.8 to 1. And for those of you who are not into uh, the biochemistry side of this, any ratio below 3.5 to 1 is healthy. So 0.8 to 1 obviously very encouraging. Testosterone is 780 and free testosterone is 68.6. And lastly, vitamin D level is 84. Now, those are encouraging results for for me. As as I look at them at age 56, those are encouraging to see. But what are some of the things happening behind the scenes that might be driving those? Now, those of you who've been tuning in for podcasts for, this is what, our 220th or so episode, you know I'm a pretty open book. So, so let's go ahead and open that book. Keep in mind, I work from my home office on most days, so that obviously provides some additional flexibility, gives me some extra time because I'm not having to schedule a commute in there. However, even if you're working in a more traditional office setting, you can likely integrate the majority of these strategies in some form. I mean, not exactly, but in some format. Let's start with sleep. It's obviously a cornerstone for so many other aspects from, I don't know, daily energy levels, blood pressure, testosterone, so, so many other pieces. I have struggled with my sleep for a long time. So <laughs> that's probably why we've had a lot of sleep experts on the podcast. I, I'm constantly tweaking my approach. And whenever we have an expert, there's always something they say that I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm going to start doing that. So in terms of tools, I'm a big fan of the, the Bose Sleep Buds. We don't have any sponsorship connection with them, but I've been using those for years. And especially when traveling, it is so, it's just such a valuable tool. It basically is a sound machine in your ears. They're not cheap by any stretch, but they are very well worth it. And when you think about it's something you're going to be using every day for, I mean, mine have lasted at least four years already. So the price is, is very reasonable. Eye covers, also a must on the road. Speaking of waking, not sleeping, middle of the night. In my mid fifties, I, I need to urinate in the middle of the night almost a hundred percent of the time. However, one of the things I've been doing that might be making a difference here, because a lot of my friends are saying, oh man, I'm up two or three times. One thing you can do 
is eliminate any fluid intake after dinner, basically after 6 p.m. for us or 6.30. So that decreases the, the frequency of having to wake up because there's just there's less fluid. Scheduling-wise, my goal is to give myself the chance to get eight hours of, of sleep. I try to have the lights out by 9.30, and I generally wake up, as I'll share with you in detail here in a second, around 5.30. It doesn't always happen. Things are going on. We've got events. We've got activities. We've got meetings, et cetera. But, but that's a general target that we've built into our lives most nights of the week. If sleep does cooperate, <laughs> generally it's, it's, it's pretty good. Then I'll wake up without an alarm uh, around 5.30. I'll sneak out of the bedroom. I'll have my first big glass of water just kind of get the day started. You know, you go the full, full night without anything from 6.30 the night before. It's a, it's a good way to start the day. I'll, I'll start brewing a cup of black-only coffee. And then the next thing is one of my favorite parts of the day. I'll, I'll go greet our, our Australian shepherd, Skye. She, she's about a, two years old. We let her out of her room and she stretches and she is just positive. It's going to be the best day ever. Big smile on her face, excited to go. And so that's a, a fun, joyful way to start the day. And, and then from that point, I'll break up the day into various blocks that last one to three hours generally. So the, the pup and I'll head down to the office, my office in the basement. I'll scan a couple of daily newsletters, and then I'll dig into one of, usually I have about three or four books that I have going on simultaneously, depending on the mood and where I'm at and, and what I'm trying to learn. And, and I'll read until about seven. Along with that reading comes some other things, journaling. Uh, my faith is very important to me, so I'll pray. And just that's kind of a time to collect my thoughts, ideas, the direction for the day, those kinds of things. And, and, and by the way, the, the coffee that I made when I first got up, I don't, I don't drink it right away, but I like it hot. So I keep it, I, I make it before I go downstairs, and I stick it in the Yeti cup, and I wait until 6.30. Now, why wait until 6.30 when I'm getting up at 5.30? This might be helpful to you. The, the cortisol levels, our, our cortisol levels, your cortisol levels, are generally at their highest point first thing in the morning. Guess what coffee does? Yeah, it raises it higher. So instead of loading one on top of the other, what I'll do is I'll hold off that first hour of the day, sometimes a little bit more if I'm up a little bit earlier, and then I'll pour that hot cup out of the Yeti into my, my coffee cup and, and roll forward. But at least I'm not loading one cortisol shot on top of another one. Around seven-ish, I'll, I'll move to my stand-up desk. I've got a bright ring light. If you've seen those, they're popular for uh, video YouTubers, that kind of thing. That's not what I'm using it for. I'm using it to help with circadian rhythm. It's positioned to the left side of my desk. And then I've got four very large windows that face to the east. So the sunrise is you know, coming in towards those windows. And I'll, I'll keep the ring light on and the desk up in that standing position about 60% of the day, till, uh, typically around two in the afternoon or so, sometimes three, to optimize the security rhythms, enhance that energy. It really helps with my focus to be in a standing position with the bright light, both on my left from the ring light and my right from the sunshine. And then it also keeps me from sitting in a chair all day. My background's as a physical therapist. That's not a great place to spend 10 hours a day. Mid-afternoon, I'll lower my desk to accommodate sitting, and I'll turn that bright light off. The, the sunshine is also shifted because of the windows are facing east, and so that reduces the level of sunlight through the windows by the afternoon as well. Okay, so we've set the scene. Now, once I'm at my desk, again, stand-up desk with the ring light on, sunshine through the right, my first priority at the desk is to dig into either the project requiring the most concentration or if I don't have something like that ready to roll that needs to be done that day, then I'll attack the, f the project that I am least excited about. 
I said that correctly. The, the project I'm least excited about. Th- this is something I've done for literally decades. I was teaching on it years ago, and I called it the nows and wows approach. And it, hopefully that makes it easy for you to remember. It's easy for us to do our wows. You've got certain things you do during your day. You're like, ooh, I love doing that. Yeah, that's, a, that's my favorite part of my day. Don't do that first. Because then you've got your big one done. And then as you get more tired through the day, you have your boring ones left. So I'll flip that and I'll tackle the one that has the the least, the lowest amount of natural energy. The one that I'm, I'm just like, Ugh, I really have to do that. So those are the nows. You want to get the nows done first, because once it's done, Frankly, that boosts your energy right there because you don't have that sitting out there waiting for you the rest of the day. By the way, if this first work block does involve something that is more of a now that doesn't require a lot of concentration, I'll also typically throw on my headphones and and turn up some classic rock or something similar that first 30 minutes just to get the juices flowing and almost like a pre-race type thing where you're like, okay, let's rock and roll here. Now, that first block of focused work, that'll range anywhere from an hour to three hours, depending on the project, the meetings for that day, that kind of thing. But once that first big win of the day is done and dusted, then the next hour to an hour and a half, I'll move into the fitness stuff. So, so now I'm, I'm stepping away from the office. I'm, I'm not training anymore, by the way. I, I kind of mentioned that earlier. I'm not training for a race or anything like that. But I'm not hanging out on the couch either. I, at age 56, my goal is to be fit enough to do fun stuff whether that's hopping into a half marathon with one of our kids, going out paddleboarding with Susanna, climbing mountains, whatever, living life with our family, just to be able to do that. Not like, oh, I can't do that because just ready to roll with any of those kinds of things. So to improve the odds of being able to do that as I get into my 60s, 70s, and, and hopefully beyond, my daily fitness basically focuses on one of the following three aspects. The, the first one is endurance. Sky and I will run generally 30 to 35 miles a week. I'm not looking to get up in the 40s, 50s, but I also don't let it drop much below 30. So 30 to 35 miles a week, most of it is as about 7.30 pace per mile. Occasionally, I'll throw in a gravel bike ride or a trainer ride just for some variety during the week or if weather's a little crazy. The second thing is intensity. Now, I'm not hitting the track for a 20 by 400 session that I used to love to do, but I will include hill efforts at a little faster pace or a little more effort in sections of our run to, to get that heart rate up a little bit at least one day of those, of those runs. And then the third thing, really important here, is strength training and balance. This has been new for me over the past oh, about year, year and a half, but it is more critical than ever at this point in my life. And, and for any of you that are in your 40s, 50s, 60s, beyond, please consider working this in in some way. Strength training is something that's easy to ignore, especially if you've been more of an endurance athlete most of your life, but we need it. We need it badly. So Sky and I will run generally four days a week. I'll hit our garage gym the other three days and I'll, I'll do that for an hour. And, and it's a mix of heavy bag. And, and again, that's kind of a unique thing I've been trying the last year and a half. And I love it. That is such a great warm up. I'll generally do about 10 minutes of, of heavy bag work and it, it's fun. It's good core work. And it's just, it's a great way to start. I'll also mix in squats, pull-ups, dips, bench press, deadlift, some balance activities. Our balance does not maintain itself over, over time and some core work. So that's kind of the, the general gist. It'll vary from day to day. I'm not going for any records. I've learned that over the years that if I'm like, all right, what can I squat today? What can I, I end up getting hurt. So, so I'm doing what I can do in that, you know, seven to 10 reps range. And then if I get up in that nine, 10 range, I'll add weight to it. But 
I'm not worried about what that number is. Men lose three to 5% of our muscle mass per decade after middle age. So guys, seriously, and ladies, benefit is strong for you as well. Adding strength training and balance training minimizes those losses. Huge impact on the quality of our lives as we age. So please don't miss this one. Now, if I don't have meetings or, or interviews, podcast interviews, then I'll throw together a big smoothie, all kinds of fruits, veggies, protein powder, and then I'll head back down to the office for the second block of, at this point, very high energy focused work because I've come off of a nice little break. I've got that dopamine firing from the great workout, whether it's a run or a workout in the gym, and I've, I've got some food going and then I'll, I'll pop in there and I'll stay in there till midday somewhere. Again, meeting schedules, interviews, that kind of stuff changes this up. But then it's a quick shower, including something new I've been adding lately, which I don't love, but based on what I've read, it's, there's some value to this. A few minutes of cold water to provide that afternoon boost in dopamine. And then a, a brief lunch. While I'm eating, I'll usually catch up on news that's pertinent to our work, our business, uh, our lives, that kind of thing. Lunch is pretty routine. It's pretty much the same. It's it's almost always a big, giant salad. Like, I'll literally get out the <laughs> these giant... My kids used to laugh at me when they are at home. Giant bowls, and I'll just throw in some spinach. Kale. We have a something called an indoor tower garden in our house, and so we grow our own lettuce and spinach and kale and chard and... That's super fun, by the way, if you haven't looked into that. And then add some other veggies, some sort of protein source, some tuna, salmon, that kind of stuff. And then on the fueling side of the equation, I need to mention I've been gluten-free due to some stomach issues, and it's, it's likely celiac, for about a decade. And so that's a part of what I'm doing. The other thing I've been doing since we interviewed Dr. Mark Matson, what, two and a half, three years ago, is I've generally followed a 16-8 intermittent fasting schedule for the past few years. So that just means I'm getting all my food within an eight-hour window, which is generally 10.30 to 6.30 for me. So that's me. After lunch, it's back to the office. I'll do block number three. It usually runs about an hour, hour and a half. And then about two o'clock, and it's, I'm not legalistic about the two o'clock thing, but at some point in the mid-afternoon, it's time for recess. You're sitting there going, wait, what? What did he say, recess? <laughs> yes, yes, recess. This is a tweak that I've been fiddling with probably the last month and a half, and, and, I, and it's working. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk this through. You can check in with me next year and say, are you still doing that recess thing? But I have been talking, in quotes, talking, about cutting back on long work hours for years. It's not working. <laughs> I'm fortunate. I love most elements, not all, but most elements of my job. And I was raised in a family where hard work, that's just, it's what we do. So I always seem to allow myself to get pulled back in. So I'll, I'll create more space in my schedule and then I'll end up filling it back up. And then I'll create more space. I mean, I tried the four, four day work week for a few months and that I kept getting pulled. So anyway, I was talking to my health and wellness coach and yes, we have our own coach too. It's Within Catalyst, we, we all have our own, own health and wellness coach, and I love it. After talking to her and this idea, I started scheduling a two o'clock recess into my day. What's, what's this recess thing? It, it could be pretty much anything. It's just not work. The Catalyst Ranch, we've got some land where in order to mow it, you got to get rid of the boulders first. So it might be digging boulders out. It might be clearing brush. It might be hitting golf balls. It might be hiking up the hill with Sky. It might be going out paddleboarding with Susanna. It might be shooting bow and arrow or something. Fiddling with the piano, reading a book. It, it can be. It can be anything. It's, it's not a. Li- it's not like this is allowed during recess and this is not. The only thing is not is it, not work. It, it's it's got to be some other pursuit. If the weather allows, the goal is to get outside for at least a few minutes 
both to get that vitamin D and the circadian rhythm benefits that are available there. Sometimes it's 20 minutes, other times it's more like an hour. Sometimes it, it just doesn't make sense due to prior commitments, and, and that's totally fine. But most days, and I literally put it on my calendar, a little alarm goes off, and it's been working, and it's been a valuable addition. Now, one of the things that's really interesting is because my natural question, if you were to come in and say, hey, Brad, you should try this recess thing, I'd be like, dude, I don't have enough time to get my stuff done as it is. How am I going to do it if it's one less hour? Well, interestingly, as I've done this over the first four to six weeks, my overall productivity, even with that hour carved out, it hadn't changed. And I think I discovered the reason why that's true. We all have different energy patterns. Over the years, I've noticed my energy dips around 2 or 2.30. And then, interestingly, it'll rebound. End of the day, the last couple hours, so 3.30 or 4, it seems to come back up. And and I almost have to purposely stop at 6 because it's kind of like I'm getting my momentum going again. So by scheduling this recess into that 2, 2.30-ish time, then the block that leads into that, prior to that, it's become more effective. And, and obviously, immediately after, you're like, all right, I'm fired up. Let's rock and roll. Let's get some stuff done. So kind of a double benefit there. Now, snacking. Let's talk snacking. I'm pretty consistent and pretty boring. It's pretty much the same thing every single day, sometime around 3 o'clock. So I'm heading back to the office. Uh, it's usually a, a handful of almonds and maybe some other nuts mixed in with two squares, almost always two squares of 90% dark chocolate and then a refill of water. 90% dark chocolate. I've tried 95. It's okay. Once you get up to 98, it's like, no, I, I can't do this. And if you try 90% and you're like, oh, dude, that's nasty. Try, try it for long enough for your body to adapt to it. Because once you do, you'll be like, oh, this is good. Speaking of water, I do not consciously drink a certain amount. I think a lot of people overdo it in that area. More is not always better with water. So be careful you're not running down that path. But in general, in general, I probably drink about 80 to 100 ounces of fluid per day. After recess, I'm, I'm refreshed, I'm ready, and I've got about a three-hour work block left in the day. Now, this is the period that just knowing it's the end of the day, I'll, I'll generally reserve it for phone calls, meetings, Zoom calls, email follow-up, other outreach type things. If not on the phone or doing something that takes a lot of focus, I've got an old school turntable in my office. I've got a growing vinyl collection. I'm having fun with that idea. My, my, one of my daughters and I will, will go out and check out the used record stores whenever we get a chance, and, and that's a lot of fun. So those vinyl albums get most of their playtime during the last hour, maybe two hours of the day. Now, Susanna and I generally will shut down work projects about 6 p.m. And, and then enjoy dinner together if we don't have a meeting that night. Dinner, pretty straightforward. Typically a protein source like fish or chicken with some sort of vegetable and then some kind of a, a complement to that. Quinoa, maybe a potato, sweet potato, that kind of thing. I enjoy a glass of wine with dinner probably four or five days a week. And I'll occasionally have a gluten-free beer if the family's together to watch our Colorado State Rams or we're tailgating an event, you know, something like that. On evenings we're home, Suzanne and I will typically read for a bit and maybe watch a show or two before starting to wind things down for sleep, somewhere between 9 and 9.30. And that obviously takes us back where we started. So there you have it. The biometrics and strategies of an, of an average guy doing his best to walk the talk and be a catalyst through this journey of life. Was this helpful? I, I hope you found a nugget or two in there that, that you can say, oh, yeah, I could, I could do that thing with the scheduling or that food thing or that routine or that snack idea or the block scheduling or, or whatever it might be. Again, none of this was intended to be medical advice, 
it is, I hope, intended to be encouragement and idea-provoking. Speaking of thought-provoking, one easy next step for you might be to do essentially what I just did, but but for yourself. When I sat down to jot some notes about my own routines, my habits, the stuff that I'm doing, I was like, what am I going to tell them? Frankly, it brought to light some patterns that I didn't know I was doing. You know, as you go through your day and you're like, and then what do I do? And then what do I do? You're like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize I do that. How do, you, how do you start your day? What's the first thing out of the gate? What, what patterns do you notice regarding your energy levels? What, what time do you go to bed? Is that consistent? When is that last drink of water? Why have you chosen the exercise routine you've chosen? Would you like to tweak that a little bit? What are you eating for lunch every day? Lunch is almost always a, a built-in routine. What is that routine? Why is it that routine? Do, do you schedule your day in blocks to, or does it just happen? Are you using a stand-up desk and extra light during portions of your day? When do you integrate music? What books are you reading? Last year, we invested in a kind of a cool little coffee machine that would make it easy to grind our beans on the spot for each cup. And we were kind of like, ah, should we do this? And we're like, yeah, what the heck? And, and Susanna reminded me recently, she said she appreciated the fact that basically the reason I bought it, was I said, hey, if we're going to drink coffee every day, we might as well love it. I, I appreciate that she brought the back because I'd forgotten that conversation. And it, it just reminded me, wh- why not take that perspective into as many aspects of our lives as possible? We can't do it with everything. It's not a reality. And, and who knows if we've got 40 years left to live or, or three days. But regardless of the answer, why not reflect on each aspect of those things, especially the things we do every single day, day in, day out, that fill our days. And, and, and maybe we can look for ways to move each little piece, each of those routines toward that idea we talk about all the time of better than yesterday. There are hundreds of opportunities in each of our days, every single day, do a little tweak toward better. I'm still tweaking. Hopefully, we'll see some comments about this that you're like, hey, Coop, you should try this. And I'm hoping that something in this episode encourages you to do the same. Thank you so much for tuning in the number one podcast for health and wellness coaching. I hope this was helpful. As always, if you have any questions about coaching, enhancing your career, or integrating best-in-class coaching into your organization's wellness strategy, please reach out to us. We'll set up a time to call. The email is results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com. And we'll get something on the calendar. Now, it's time to be a catalyst. This is Dr. Brad Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute. I'll speak with you soon on another episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast, or maybe over the YouTube coaching channel.